Spin 103.8. This is Spin Talk with Lauren. Today I would like to hear your thoughts on um, the events in Barcelona over the last 24 hours and how it makes you feel when you see people sharing graphic images online. Um, I've seen just even on my own Facebook feed this morning people criticising one another and getting into debates over whether or not it's okay to show certain images. How does it make you feel? Do you feel that maybe we need to see the carnage after something like this happens? Or do you think it's wrong to share these images? Why? Let me know. I'm on 087-711-1038. Lots of people are getting involved in the conversation on the Spin 1038 Facebook page already. I'd love to hear what you think. John Francis Leader joins me on the line now, consulting psychologist and cognitive scientist. You can find more at jfl.com. Hi, John. How are you doing? John, great to have you um, on the line today because when something like this happens, it's like sometimes we want to know every single detail. We want to see every single image. What is that? And it's tough. And, you know, first to send our love, obviously, to everybody in Spain. It's, it's, it's horrific and it's, uh, it's intense in such, such a short space of time. So you're right, there is a lot to digest. And uh, we live in a weird world, I suppose, where we're more, more interconnected than we've ever been. And um, even with people we don't know, and that's really nice in some ways. There's a real empathy there. And, of course, if, somebody, if something was to happen to a friend or a family member, somebody close to you, uh, you know, instinctively, you're right, you would have that urge to, to reach out to try learn and know as much as possible so that's something that I suppose we do feel and then of course what's interesting about social media particularly um is the role of consent, I suppose, and what we are actually exposed to things just come up in our feeds that we mightn't have chosen so it gets pretty messy from that perspective Yeah, I just mentioned even this morning on my own timeline some of the debates I've seen going on between friends saying like it's wrong, you don't know, like maybe someone's been injured and their family don't know yet that they're involved or someone is missing, you have to be careful. But that is just, as you said, the world we live in with social media. Is it kind of like a morbid fascination sometimes we have with looking at certain images? It's a very interesting debate as to uh, particularly what the role of the media is. I mean, to some degree, we're in an age where we are the media and, you know, we need to individually take responsibility. But of course, uh, as we were just discussing, sometimes you don't even get a say. It just comes up in your feed. You know, the press release gets sent to you as an individual in some ways without you having any say in it. And... It, it's an interesting debate, and it's not one, I think, that's going to be resolved anytime soon, but it's good that the debate's there. We need to question how we consume media, how we think about news, how we think about information broadly with the technology that we have and the interconnectedness that we have. So there's arguments both sides, and you know some of the arguments for or against are, are that it, it's upsetting. It's, the other thing is that it can desensitize us to some degree as well, to you know just seeing the sort of imagery crop up when somebody's having breakfast or something like that. Mm. It, it, it's just peculiar in a way. We don't treat it in the same way we would if we were to actually pro- approach it knowing what it is, uh, giving it some respect. There's also, of course, the argument that... Um, from the point of anything terrorism related that it really gives those who would do something like that what they want in a sense a sensationalism yeah. around it and of course as you say respect for the victims and the family of victims too but it's interesting because on the other side that particularly that point of respect for victims you will hear the reverse as well and uh Examples of this, I mean, obviously, they're, they're particularly extreme footage in certain cases, but examples uh, I've heard on, the, on this side are, um, for example, racial tension in the States. And so many people, including victims, actually very happy that people are seeing 
the crimes or the abuses mm-hmm. and that attention is being given to it. So the victims in that sense are liking that exposure, that it's in the public consciousness, that they're not kind of forgotten or ignored yes. in that sense, so that there is that attention. So these are both kind of valid points in a way, and it is a difficult one. That consent, I think, is one of the trickiest bits about it. Mm-hmm. Like... I think, as you said, it's something that we're, you know, people are going to agree to disagree on at times. And it can depend. Like, I remember talking at length on this show about the little boy on the beach. Right, yeah. um, And, you know, the decision that editors made to print that image on the front page of newspapers. And, you know, people will agree that news crews should show the carnage, should show the reality. But I suppose sometimes the debate is around bystanders filming something on their mobile phone rather than helping. Absolutely. And of course, if there's an option between helping or filming, you know, we absolutely must, uh, we must, uh, we must help. Uh, that, that has to be, has to be key. But still that one is a bit complicated because, you know, certain human rights advocates would, for example, say that actually the filming of something, you know, is really the helping, you yeah. know, that changes public opinion. And I, I think what has to happen is that we take a personal responsibility for it. I suppose we try to be ethical journalists ourselves as individuals because now everybody a smartphone as a journalist whether they like it or not we all are recording the world and sharing it in some shape or form and when we're in a situation like that it kind of feels a nice ethical way of thinking about it something i like anyway in the consumption of information as a kind of a meditation is to try and walk this line which is a middle path between obsession on one hand and repression on the other so obsession is where it's gratuitous you know, you're, you're getting caught up in the same information or story or it's, it's going overly graphic beyond the point where you know what's having happened. You yes. know, if you know the information but you're still going beyond it, that seems unnecessary. Repression, on the other hand, is where we just don't talk about things. Of course, there's some danger in that because if things are happening in the world and we're not really uh, informed, of course, terrible things can happen and things can get much worse as a result. So it's not necessarily easy to find that point. But I think Mm. if we're conscious within ourselves about obsession or sensationalism on one hand, but still not being misinformed on the other, then we can have a kind of an awareness, uh, which is the first part of it. And the second bit of it as well, that an action that comes from it. Because when there is an emotion in the system, when we encounter something, that emotion really really is, is all about then taking action. Now, it can be hard to know what to do, but ideally, it's a bit like a firefighter. When a firefighter sees fire, they actually become their best. They become focused. They think the fire is a bad thing. They don't obsess over it. They're not gratuitous with it, but nor do they ignore it. They're kind of motivated to take positive action. And sometimes it won't be obvious what that is, but you need to look a bit deeper. What could you do to make the world the kind of a place where this sort of thing is less likely to happen in terms of understanding, in terms of security, being there for other people, in terms of communication? So that's, I think, an important meditation too, where possible. John, you always have the best analogies and ways of explaining things. Thank you so much for your I time need today. I hard to explain otherwise. <laughs> Lovely to have you on Spin Talk, as, as always. Thank you so much. Talk soon. That's John Francis Leader there, consulting psychologist and cognitive scientist. His website is jfl.com. There's no topic that he can't delve into. And it's just so interesting, um, you know, as tragic as the news is today, it's something that so many people are already debating on social media is whether or not we should be sharing certain images. Do we need to see the carnage, the reality of what happened in Barcelona yesterday afternoon and yesterday evening? Two separate attacks now, 14 people are dead. Three days of mourning have been now announced in Spain. And it is just so tragic. And really interesting what John said there about obsession and repression. Like, 
you know, there are the types of people who the minute they know something bad is going to be on the news, they'll turn it off because they're like, I know I can't watch that. Where there is the types of personalities who will like stay looking at it. You can't look away. Everyone's different. Where do you fall in that? Like, do you want to see the images? Do you want to know everything that happened yesterday? Do you think we have to? Do we have a responsibility to the victims to know what they went through? Or do you feel that it's a respect issue, that we shouldn't be sharing certain issues? Let me know what you think. You can get involved in the conversation. 087-711-1038. Spin Talk with Subway. Make work lunches fun again with a Subway platter. Subway, keep discovering. Spin 1038. Yeah.